Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right, welcome everyone to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We're here live on WYSL, which means that you, you the listener, can participate in the conversation. But whatever we're talking about, we're going to cover a few different things today. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. If you're listening here on WYSL, we're here, to li- we're here live until 1 o'clock or comment online to on the Facebook page, the Kevin Wilson Facebook page, A Free Solution Facebook page, A Free Solution on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe there as well if that is your preference for listening to this show. Shout out down the line to our friends over at WACK, though, out in Newark and WENY, the Patriot down in the 7th Thank you all for being here today and listening to A Free Solution. And so I'm going to spend at least one segment of this show Talking about the Derek Chauvin thing again, you know, we talked about kind of the, the bigger issues on Monday. And I want to talk about the Derek Chauvin verdict, what I think that means. And I want to talk about the shooting out in, uh, I think it was out in Ohio as well, the, of the, the 15-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old. I've seen both in stories. So, so we're going to talk about that too and, and kind of the the hot takes that came out about that and, and how it's really important to make sure we understand everything that happened before we go out and act on information that that's circulating online. And then maybe if I get to, I'll talk about some, some new New York state laws and maybe some masking stuff too. I had an interesting discussion about masking. So, so I'll kind of give some of my thoughts on that later on, but first let's talk about the Derek Chauvin stuff. Uh, the trial happened. The verdict came out. So I thought it was going to be a few more days. I thought they, they were going to deliberate on this for a while. Uh, and I was, was actually kind of surprised to see that he was found guilty on all three counts. Second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. Surprised that he had all three. Now, each state has its own definition for what these terms mean. So, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing as what New York State means uh, for these charges. I, I expected manslaughter, maybe third-degree murder, uh, which in Minnesota has something to do with basically to, – to, to put it in layman's term, like basically negligent um, death of someone based on, on your actions, right? So so that, that Derek Chauvin took specific action to um, to kill someone. Um, and that as a result of, of not caring about the life of the individual he was taking action against killed him. So that, that's a murder charge in this. So second-degree murder in Minnesota it requires, as I understand it, a little bit more intent, which is why I was, I was a little bit surprised that they, they got him on that one. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, and I wasn't, I, I wasn't put in a position of, of being on that jury. And I know there's, there's this accusation of, uh, you know, is this— mob justice, right? Was the jury 
motivated by the political zeitgeist to convict Derek Chauvin on all three counts here. Were all three appropriate? Again, keep in mind, I'm a radio host, not a lawyer. I'm just I'm just looking at this as as an average guy, as as many of you are too. You know, we're, we're trying to make sense of this in a policy context. What does this mean in terms of Black Lives Matter movements, uh, police police reform? How is this all mixed together into something that we can think about in a cohesive way? Maybe it doesn't mesh together in a cohesive way, right? So, so he gets found guilty on all three. You know, as I said Monday, like in this case, I think it kind of makes sense, right? Like if you if you watch that video, I think it makes sense for for even jail in this case. If you watch the video, you you watch the way he leaned on George Floyd's neck. I know he had drugs in his system, but the, the, the fact of the matter is there's he acted inappropriately in a way, and his actions led to George Floyd's death, that there was careless about his life, putting too much weight on on someone in a way that restricts their breathing, which, you know, that it did. Uh, the medical examiners said it did. Um Particularly if they're facing, you know, a, a medical crisis in, in terms of having drugs in their systems too. But but putting your your knee on someone's neck for eight minutes, forty five seconds, yeah, that's that's uh, that's gonna kill someone. Uh, and he was uh, begging for his life during that time. Um, I don't think that George Floyd's. You know, I don't. I don't like how the Democrats are saying. You know, George Floyd made this sacrifice. Man, he didn't make a sacrifice. He was he was killed by a police officer. He's a, he's a victim of of a of a terrible incident, right? Uh, I also don't think that Derek Chauvin's conviction is. You know, I, people have asked like, you know, are you happy about this, right? And like, I'm not happy about it exactly. Like, this is this is terrible. Like, I I don't. I'm not happy. Someone's going to jail. I know some people are happy about it. They, they're like, finally, some level of accountability, right? Like, police officer does a bad thing. He goes to jail. I'm, I'm not happy about it, though. It, like, it's it. this situation's always sad. I don't know what justice actually looks like. But to me, it's more making sure that, like, we can learn something from this. And that sounds a bit pat, but we can learn something about this to prevent that from happening in the future that and and I, I talked about this a lot on Monday show, but like how can we look at the George Floyd situation, the Daniel Prude situation, and at the very least try to say, okay, if someone is facing this particular type of crisis, how can police officers act in a different way, change policy to make sure that someone who is being detained by them doesn't die like that to me is what what justice looks like is making sure you minimize the opportunities for someone to die in police custody. You know, Derek Chauvin going to jail, I, I get that is cathartic for some folks. And what's going to be interesting is I think that there's it's going to be quite an appeal going on with this as well because because of that that the accusation of mob justice. They did that. The jury. The defense is going to argue was influenced by the media. Politicians and others at the time. And pressured even by threats of violence, to reach a certain conclusion. 
No, I don't know what was going through that jury said. I think that they had a very difficult decision to make, and the prosecution apparently made their case beyond a reasonable doubt that he was guilty on all three. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't expect that, but that's apparently the prosecution made their case well. The defense wasn't able to poke enough holes in those theories to get their client uh, off in this case. But there's going to be an appeal for sure. And part of that is, is I'm sure, going to rest on was the jury influenced by current events. But I don't, I'm not sure that you can separate yourself from that. I'm not sure it's possible. But we are where we are. We are... We are a situation where, okay, this guy's going to jail. A small amount of accountability. The, this doesn't happen very often, which is why people are, are raising this. A lot of times when a person is killed by a police officer, they're, they're not very likely to go to jail. And, and because of the presumption that, particularly if there's some sort of violent struggle, that the police officer was justified in whatever their actions were. Uh, and, and, you know, I got a, a comment from, from – well, we got one from Stephen who's just saying hi. Hi, Stephen. Another one from Tim says, rumor has it that the jurors are doxxed during deliberations. Tim, I, I don't know if that's true. If you have any links for that, yeah, you know, at, at this point it's just a rumor. Uh, if you have links, I'll, I'll read them off. I'll talk about them. Uh, you know, if, if that is – if that is what happened, then, yeah, that would, that would be good grounds for defense to do that. In fact, you know, the judge – had had criticized some uh, some political actors for for stirring up uh, sentiments around the trial and in in folks who were kind of threatening violence if there wasn't conviction and the defense now has a good case that the the jury was influenced to um, to come to a decision based on fear for their own life or fear for social order and and that that stinks Maxine Waters um, uh, had had said some stuff that uh, that I think the judge was critical of as well. So that's that that's what was going on in that case. And yeah, I mean, if it does, the judge pointed out that 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 hurts uh, a conviction. That that makes it more difficult for this case to be seen as unbiased. And we're, we're going to see too what what happens with uh, the um, the sensing and whatnot too. Uh, but when we come back, we'll we'll keep talking a little bit more about this, and then I want to shift to another case. Happened yesterday as well uh, with a 15-year-old who was shot by police. So thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. If you have thoughts on this, give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Thanks for listening today. We're going to be back in a few minutes. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe safe and secure. 
Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here. Again, we're live on WSL. You want to call in? Give us a call 585 346 3000. That's 585 346 3000. We're talking about the Derek Chauvin verdict, the first half of the show. And again, I, I don't. I'm not, I'm not like happy about this. This is this is a bad situation, and and we haven't fixed the problems of police community relations. You know, which is again, this show is called a free solution. I, I like to focus on like what are what are the policy outcomes uh, that we can do to make things better, to make policing work better, to make trust and community work better. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll read a comment real quick too. Um, Nicholas says, uh, "Outing or otherwise harassing jurors should be a crime." Pretty sure it is. Uh, I understand that some media have been working to unmask jurors. Yeah, after doing that, that's that's pretty irresponsible. Uh, shouldn't shouldn't do that. Um, I I do feel bad, sort of, for these jurors. Like, it's jury duty is a, a tough thing, particularly when you're put in a position of having to judge a a high profile case like this. If people want to be anonymous. They should certainly have the right to do that, um, and and I think regardless of the outcome, you know, it's important to to protect the jurors because there are violent people on both sides of this issue who may want to attack them for their decisions, and then that's, you know, that's a that's a dangerous thing, you know, and and kind of relate this, you know, like are we are we looking at this and are we thinking like the system works? Does this make sense? And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. Like, just as I – I mean, if you if you are working in the criminal justice system, I'd certainly love to hear from you. But, you know, you don't have to, to call in and, and weigh in on your opinion because your thoughts on this matter when we're voting for folks who are thinking about, you know, how do we how do we change policing or don't change policing or, or whatever. You know, with the Derek Chauvin case, I – is justice served? Is the system is the system working? You know, again, I, I want to prevent this stuff from happening in the future. You know, how do we do that? Well, we have a few different policy solutions. We we can do ending qualified immunity. We can end the war on drugs. We can end, uh, you know, uh, civil asset forfeiture. We can end. We can end. Um, you know, traffic stops even. that That's certainly something that we could talk about is like, do we need traffic stops for every little thing? Maybe for someone who's driving erratically, driving drunk or or is dangerous. But in the same way, police departments have, have changed their policy on doing chases. Maybe it's time to rethink, do, do we need to do traffic stops in every situation? And is it better to just do automated uh, ticketing, right? Not necessarily saying red light cameras, but if a police officer sees something, someone's breaking the law, take a little video clip, collect that as evidence, mail someone a ticket instead of putting both police officer and the driver in danger uh, by initiating a traffic stop for something that is uh, maybe trivial. 
right? And I know sometimes you, you pick up dangerous folks by doing that, but is it worth it? Is it worth the trade-off? Or requiring uh, police officers to carry professional liability insurance. I think that's going to go a long way. I think if we, if we could get if we could get lawmakers on board with that, make police officers carry professional liability insurance, I, I think that would go a a very long way in making sure that police officers have some personal accountability, personal financial accountability when they do do something wrong. That maybe isn't a violation of the law, that they are acting within the purview of of, of the law and their their jobs as a police officer. I know there's some police abolition folks who are going to be upset with that. But they can be. That's fine. But if you're acting within the course of the law and you kill someone in a, in a negligent manner but not a criminal manner, manner like you, you should pay for that or your insurance should pay for that, not us, the taxpayer. It's, it's always us, the taxpayer, on the hook if a police officer does that. Um, so I'm, I'm going to switch gears slightly though. Go away from the Derek Chauvin stuff. Um, I'm sure we're going to see more about that, evaluate more about that. You know, I, I'm i curious if this does have a ripple effect in terms of how prosecutors are going to be approaching charging police officers with crimes uh, in, in ongoing cases, right? Because there's been, I think, a, a hesitation among DAs to bring charges against police officers, and it, it'll be interesting to see if it swings the other way, if uh, DAs are going to start getting more aggressive in charging police officers who are accused of violating someone's rights or hurting someone or killing someone, and if it'll go too far the other direction. That could happen too. We don't know. You know, How is this going to impact the ability of good police officers to do their jobs as well? I think it's a legitimate question to ask, even if I'm uh, skeptical of police powers overall. But but let's talk about the uh, the other case, the one out in Ohio, right? So there's you start at, right as the the Derek Chauvin stuff starts coming out, you start hearing police have have killed a 15 year old child in Ohio, right? Stuff and that and that's that's that that's the tweet you'll see. You, you just see that like, oh my goodness, like this never ends. You know what what is happening here? And you know you, you, the the story comes out that this is a 15 year old child who called the police and asked for help. Okay, sort of. Um, and then later on the evening, uh, the body cam footage comes out, and you you start to see what actually happened. Right, you, you see. That when police arrived, when when this the, the officer who shot the fifteen year old, fifteen year old, sixteen year old, it, I don't know they they keep they keep changing the age and all the stories. It's driving me nuts. Uh, Makia Bryant, is the name of the 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 uh, the girl killed. She's a girl, you know. Did it, it seems like she she's had you know unfortunately a troubled life. It's in the you know uh, in the foster care system. There there was some sort of fight going on. She might have called the cops. Um, but when the police arrived, what they saw is they saw her trying to stab someone. And you can see the, the video of this. And, you know, it's uh, her in like a, a, a black shirt and she's trying to stab someone in a, in a pink hoodie. And, and police are rolling up and that's what they see. You know, yells to, you know, uh, stop doing what she was doing and shoots this, this kid. And it is good. It's awful, but may have also saved the 
the person uh, in the pink hoodie's life. So what do we do in this situation? And, and people around her are like, oh, my God, you shot a kid. I can't believe you shot a kid. But you know, what, what is the best outcome in this situation? How can police or, or anyone who tries to intervene in this situation act quickly enough and with enough force to potentially save the life of someone who's being stabbed? And I don't, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know that this is the, op, the optimal outcome here, right? And it, it seems a, like a clinical way of talking about it. But could the officer have done something else? Could the officer have used a taser? Could the officer have, like, closed the distance and, and disarmed this 15-year-old? Maybe. I don't know. The officer fired four shots, killed a teenager, had a knife in her hand. Um, but before... This full story came out, though. There's already, you know, Black Lives Matter protests, like, starting to form around the police station. Like, people are, you know, uh, raising this girl up as a martyr. I, I, I wish this young woman was still alive. She's troubled. It's awful that she is dead. But how do we – what do we expect police officers to do in this life-or-death situation? Not just for themselves – which, you know, the, the police training is really deferential to uh, ending someone's life over taking a risk that a police officer could get hurt. And I think that's worth discussing, right? You know, how, how much danger are police expected to put themselves in when faced with a, a deadly or dangerous situation, but also in intervening in this situation. If the police officer saved this other woman's life, was it worth it? Could they have done something else? Is there a better way to intervene here? I don't know. But is this justified? Maybe. Maybe it is. But it, it, but it's a child. It's awful. There's no there's, – this doesn't fit neatly into anyone's narratives. And yet immediately after this happens, everyone's already decided what their version of the story is. It's why – you know I, and I, I admit I've done this before too. I've, I've looked at situations too quickly and I, I've formed an opinion on them that met my narrative of what – of, of what I think the police are sometimes, and I've gotten it wrong, and I apologize for that. And that's why with this one, I didn't immediately start retweeting this stuff and sharing this stuff on my Facebook. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe the police would kill another child like this. You got to slow down. You got to take a look at what actually happened here. It's a terrible situation. And, and Jamie's saying, you know, what do you do, walk away? No, you, I don't think most police officers want to do that. I think most police officers want to intervene here and save someone's life. That's why they got into this, to help protect people. I think most cops are like that. I, you know, you criticize me all you want, lefties for that. I think most cops want to do the right thing here. This is a tough situation. Slow down on your hot takes. Thanks for joining us here on The Free Solution. Uh, when we come back, we might talk about this a, a little bit more, but then I'm going to shift topics to some other stuff. Thanks again for joining us here. Uh, give us a call if you want to participate, 585-346-3000. We'll be back on The Free Solution in a few minutes. Why? 
Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website. They're hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We're here live on WYSL until 1 o'clock, which means that you, the listener, can participate in the discussion. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. You can also comment online on a Free Solution Facebook page, a Free Solution YouTube channel, and the Kevin Wilson pages, too. You can find me on there, too. Kevin Wilson, ROC, on Twitter and Facebook. That's where I'm at. And shout out down the line to our friends listening over at WACK out in New York and WENY, the Patriot, down in the Southern Tier. Uh, and, and we're talking about what what's going on in Ohio. Uh, there was another uh, incident where a police officer shot and killed someone and again, got massive hot takes immediately as this happened. Like, oh, they, you know, the rumors about the, you know, again, this this person, and it was a child, it was, it was a kid. Uh, and it's awful. It's a terrible situation. Rumors about, you know, the child, were, were they unarmed? They were just asking for help. You know, they, they were open for police to, 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 to save them, and the police just came in and shot them, which, which does happen. Like, there are, there are very real incidents where someone's calling the police because they or a family member are having a mental health crisis and, in fact, maybe threatening to harm themselves, you know, with a, whether they're a knife or a gun, and police come in too hot and kill someone or injure someone. That is something real that happens. And if you understand that that happens, that's why this incident fit into that narrative and you just assumed that what was going that's what was going on but you can't assume that you've got to look at this stuff individually and and that's what i want to encourage you all to do like whether regardless of what side you are in this issue and this one i i think the kind of anti-police crowd got ahead of themselves on it but in other situations and i think particularly in like the uh, the george floyd incident i think th- there was something wrong with that if we had just taken the immediate police release narrative on the George Floyd situation is just uh, the the police officer responded to this incident and that person uh, died of an overdose. And that, that was the whole narrative, right? That That's what got released. But if it weren't for the video that came out and starting to look at the other factors, did the police officer have a hand, Derek Chauvin in this case, have a hand in the death of George Floyd? Yeah. And, and a jury has now said so. And and 
moving forward, the, the question I'm asked about the, the, the case in Ohio is again, is there a better way to do this? Was this justified? I don't know. It's still very early. In fact, you know, the, there may be other things that come out that change my opinion in the future. I don't know. Either way, it's an awful situation. I wish it I wish that one had ended differently. I feel very badly for this girl's family. Terrible. But what do we want police to do? And keep in mind that, you know, what police do, for better or worse, is they, they run into dangerous situations. I think most police officers want to help people. They want to make sure that they're protecting their community. You got some bad folks out there who are able to use the laws that we have on the books to do malicious things or to do careless things and can hurt or kill people in the process of doing that. When we're thinking about this from a policy perspective, when we're thinking about this from fixing the problems perspective and not merely a a punishment and accountability perspective, we have to think, what situations do we want the police to go in? Where do we want them to use deadly force to intervene in a way that may save someone's life? Are there other things police officers can and should do to make sure that they don't have to kill someone who's 15 you get again 15 16 year olds who's their, their brain isn't fully developed yet and so, sorry 15 16 year olds listening to this your brain isn't fully developed yet you, you don't have some of the higher critical thinking skills and and that's why some young people are, are more violent that's that is just part of the development process you're not always thinking everything through and it's just part of growing up should that be a death sentence hopefully not i would like to do better I don't know. I, I'm not. I, I'm. I'd be kind of surprised if the police officer in this case faces any charges, but maybe not. We'll see. As I mentioned in the previous segment, I'm curious if the the pendulum kind of swings the other way a bit. You know, where you have more prosecutors uh, pressing charges against police in these situations. Uh, and, and I don't think I, I, I read this comment yet, but Nick, uh, Nick says, in the current political climate, I am surprised that the officer did not hesitate. Yeah, you know, it, that, 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 could, that could certainly happen. That's the accusation that gets thrown out against, um, <laughs> uh, against uh, Black Lives Matter as a whole, that this is going to get officers to hesitate to act in a way that may save someone's life because they're worried about liability. Um, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. In some situations, and there's actually this, this interesting thing coming out of uh, New York right now because they're uh, working towards ending qualified immunity where they're advising officers to, to really make sure that they're not doing illegal searches. I don't think that's a bad thing. If police officers are going to respect our, our Fourth Amendment rights a bit more, well, good. I, I do think that police should make sure that they are exhausting all other possibilities before killing someone. And you don't have a, a long time to do that, but but good training. You know, it's easy for me to say I'm sitting here up in my attic, you know, not on the streets, but good training, uh, and and making sure that police officers understand the tools that they have at their disposal, and doing everything they can to make sure that they're they're not killing someone when they're responding to a crime. That's what communities want, right? Like I don't want to call the police and have to worry about them killing a family member or my dog or something. That's what people worry about when they see this stuff in the news. 
Again, I don't think most police officers are like that, but they're worried that they might get the wrong one. The police officer who's having a bad day, who's too trigger happy, or misreads the situation. And we see that, you know, and we saw it in Rochester with the, the little girl who got pepper sprayed. Terrible. Or we saw it with, uh, with Daniel Prude. Could, could the officers have done more to intervene in that case? Maybe it's not criminal, but could they have done more to intervene? Maybe. Was there, was there an issue with how the ambulance responded? Was there an issue with how the, the hospital responded? Okay, let's, it's terrible. Let, let's see how we can do better to serve the community better. And I don't think it is anti-police to ask that, nor do I think it's anti-police to say maybe police shouldn't be responding to all of these situations. Maybe there are other people who could respond more effectively to certain situations. Now, the situation with, with, the, with the knife fight, that's probably a situation where police need to respond. You know, again, I'm not I, I'm I'm in favor of a lot of police reform. Uh but a, a situation where there's there's a, a serious fight going on and a knife fight, sometimes you need to use violent force to save someone's life. But maybe I'll change my mind on that. Maybe more evidence will come out where where this doesn't seem appropriate. I try to keep an open mind on this stuff, and I, and I hope you do too. So, I, you know, we only got a couple minutes left, so I'll, I'll wait until, until the next segment to, uh, to switch to a new topic. But just, just uh, the, the last note on this stuff, there's, <laughs> there's an interesting uh, tweet that's going around around this too the, uh, that's saying, why do police need to, to respond to kids having knife fights? Kind of just related to my last point. Yeah, police should respond to to kids having knife fights. That's that's not. I don't. I didn't think that would be controversial. That this is not something that should be handled on its own. I think people expect professionals to come in and intervene in these situations. We shouldn't wait for street justice to happen. This is what this is what most communities want police to do. They want police to intervene. In violent situations, so so there's a there's an interesting tweet going around saying like it is is racist for white police officers to respond to you know a knife fight between you know two teenagers who are who are people of color. No, I, I think that may, maybe I'm misreading the situation. You give me a call if you think I'm wrong about this five eight five three four six three thousand. But I think that most communities want that. They want a professional to intervene in this situation. We just expect that that professional is going to act in a manner that minimizes the danger to the people he's supposed to be, he or she is supposed to be helping. Is that too much to ask? Maybe it is too much to ask. All right, thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. When we come back, I'm going to make a little note about uh, masking. And, and But if you want to weigh in on this topic, though, on the on the Derek Chauvin case, on the, the case out in Ohio, give us a call, 585-346-3000. We'll be back with more from A Free Solution in a few minutes. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe 
safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. free solution all right welcome back to a free solution i'm kevin wilson here today thank you so much for joining us we've spent most of this hour talking about uh, the Derek Chauvin verdict and the the situation of a a 16 year old being shot and killed by a police officer out in ohio and i wanted to spend just one segment talking about something else and spent the last seven if we're counting the last show talking about police stuff which is important it's in it's in the news now i i it's a current event show, guys. I'm going to talk about what's in the news, but but I'm going to talk about something else. And uh, I'm going to talk about masking for a second, right? Just because every once in a while I take the, the, the weird nuanced position on masking, which is I'm against mandates, but I think that there are some situations where a mask is more helpful than nothing. Now, the utility of masking goes down as more people get vaccinated and in situations where you can – Let's say be outside or be far apart. You know, and it, for instance, I, I was at Highland Park uh, last weekend. It's a very pretty park in, in Rochester for those who are, are listening outside this area. Nice, nice big park. Uh, lots of room to walk around. Lots of room to be far apart from folks. It's a sunny, breezy day. And it is fundamentally strange to me to see like mostly young couples – Honestly, walking 50 feet apart from anyone else wearing, you know, N95 masks like or or any type of mask like like guys, you are you're outside. Take the mask off. Smell the flowers. It's fine. That looks looks just silly to me. It is doing it in that situation is nothing but empty virtue signaling. You know, it's, I'm not so I'm not an extremist on that. I'm not I'm not one of the the, the guys who's going to be wearing a mask out in that situation. I just think that you know if a, if a private business wants to ask you to wear a mask while you're inside, okay, fine. You know I can either not shop at that business or or decide that wearing a mask isn't that high of a price to pay for that. Now, does that start to look ridiculous when we have you know when I'm fully vaccinated, which I will be in a couple weeks, or you know, when most people are? Yeah, it's going to start looking ridiculous. There's a few states who are planning on keeping their mask mandates indefinitely. And you know, to be honest, like, why? Like, it, it, it outlives its utility. There are downsides to wearing masks, and we have to evaluate each of those risks individually. So I make this position, and, and, and you know, every once in a while I like to, to – to pick fights with folks who are, who are kind of on the extreme anti-mask position who, who would say masks are inappropriate in every situation and, in fact, we should ban them. Guys, I don't think we should ban masks. I think if you want to, two years from now, wear a mask in a grocery store because it makes you feel safer or because you think you might have the flu or COVID or whatever and you want to limit your spread, you should be able to wear a mask in the grocery store if that makes you feel better. Fine, whatever. Do your thing. I don't think we should ban that. I don't think it should be illegal to wear a mask. 
because I'm because I'm libertarian and, and you should be able to do what you want as long as you're not hurting people. If it makes you feel better to wear a mask two years from now, go ahead. If a private business wants to do that, go ahead. I get that there's exceptions. There ought to be exceptions for certain groups of people who cannot – actually cannot tolerate wearing a mask. I get that. And because I, I participate in these discussions, though, and because I, I pick this nuanced position, I often get accused of being pro-mask mandate, though. I'm not. Again, I'm libertarian. You shouldn't mandate masks, nor should you prohibit them. Statists love to take you know, the either mandate or prohibit something position, and I'm neither. Just try freedom. Tell people where masks work. Inform people about what's actually effective and what's not. You know, For instance, we know like an N95 mask. Relatively good for both protecting the user and the people around the user. Something like a, a sports gator, you know, which which I use while running. It's nice for keeping bugs off your face. Pretty useless as a COVID prevention measure. In fact, it may be actively harmful. It aerosolizes the air around you a bit more. We know that now. It's good to know. If you see someone wearing a gator in a store, it is it is useless. And then there's stuff in between. There's different Surgical masks, cloth masks, double-ply, single-ply. There, there is, in fact, a bunch of studies talking about what effective this, this, those are. So if you follow me on, on Twitter, yeah, I, I appeared on a, another radio show talking about this stuff. And I will give credit to the person I was talking to who did make a good point, uh, followed by a bunch of bad points, but a good point to say some people – who are wearing masks are misunderstanding how much that lowers the risk around them. Her point was that in, unless you're wearing a industrially tested, approved, regulated mask, like an N95 mask, you're probably not reducing the risk to yourself all that much, and you may not be reducing the risk to others around you as much as you think you are, and you are then therefore more likely to engage in risky behavior. Now, her point following up that anything other than a mask that is regulated to death is going to be effective is incorrect. I don't believe that we need to regulate the heck out of everything. In fact, one of the biggest lessons we can learn from this entire COVID crisis is the ways in which regulations prevented the market from being able to respond effectively to the COVID crisis from mass production to testing production to vaccine production. All of it was made so much worse by the government trying to bring about a zero-risk, full-safety world. But you do need the value at risk. You do need to say, you know, maybe the mask helps in some situation. Maybe it doesn't. You know, Maybe a cloth mask still means that you should probably not be breathing on someone's neck. Don't do that. I don't want that in any situation. Like, I, if, if it is a social norm for strangers to stay six feet away from me, afterward, I'm fine with that. Like, if you're my friend, you'd get close. But, like, if you're in Wegmans, like... Please step back. Like I, I want you right next to me all the time. I, I would be fine if that's normal. But is masking going to be normal a few years from now? Should everyone be expected to do that? No, especially the vaccine. with the vaccine coming out. Va- masks are part of a bigger discussion of mitigating when a pandemic happens. There is going to be another pandemic in the future. We are going to have this same mask debate again. It's going to happen inevitably. And it will be part of that solution. And what I hope happens over time is that we start to see more and more comprehensive studies about when the next pandemic happens, 
what masks are actually useful and what level of risk is involved in doing that. Because to me, I look at the studies and I say, well, cloth masks are sort of useful. Sometimes they filter out a little bit. But you, you probably shouldn't, you know, be at a house party and, and expect that wearing a mask is going to protect you or those around you enough for no one to get sick. Just think about what your situation I, – I, I am confident that we don't need the government to intervene in all these situations, which is kind of what the conclusion of the show that I, I was on yesterday is that we need the government to intervene here. We need more government regulation of both businesses and mass production, and that's how we're going to fix this. No, we need to inform people of what the actual risk is and trust that given that freedom – Given that information, once we have built that trust uh, among experts who don't lie to us about mask effectiveness like they did at the beginning of the pandemic, if we can do that, we'll be able to respond far more effectively to these crises in the future. And so we got some comments say the science uh, is that masks are, uh, are ineffective. Tim, that's not true, man. I'll fight you, Tim. I'll fight you later. Tim, Tim O'Connor, come on the show again. We'll, we'll fight about we'll fight about this and then come on the show and we'll talk about some uh, libertarian legislation. Love you, Tim. <laughs> uh, and yeah, to me, masks are effective in some situations. It's not a cure-all. It doesn't fix everything. It do, it's not an impenetrable shield. Guys, think for yourself. Don't don't think reflexively on either side. This issue is complicated. It is part of a larger issue of protecting yourself and others. You, you don't have to fall into the, the, the dumb partisan bickering about this where the Democrats are wearing masks out in parks on a sunny day in the middle of nowhere and other folks are saying masks never work ever and in fact they're, they're actively harmful to you. The answer to that is actually somewhere in between. It's helpful in some situations. doesn't fix everything. And as more people get vaccinated, as herd immunity emerges... We ain't going to wear a mask anymore. And it's stupid if government is mandating them in the future. And it's always been stupid for government to mandate masks. All right. Thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. I will be back on Friday. And Larry Sharp will be in tomorrow. Thanks for listening today. Take care.